Hey, welcome into the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. I am so excited um, to be coming at you with this February episode of the podcast. And I actually never did set this up in January, but I shared last month the um, podcast Pastor Nicole and I did, kind of sharing the testimony of um, how missions giving turned around the financial status and just many statuses here at Erie First Assembly, which is really cool. So if you didn't check that out, uh, go give it a listen. But really, um, as I kind of thought and prayed about what I wanted to do with the podcast in 2022, I felt like um, really the I wanted to share share and showcase the power of testimonies. And so um, <clears throat> once a month this year, I'm going to put out one podcast that is really just a testimony. I just got to thinking of all the amazing people that I have the privilege of doing life with and just the amazing stories of how God has changed their lives. And I thought, I want to share these people. I want to share these stories. I want to just testify to how good God is and everything He's done. And so we started with an organizational testimony, if you will. Uh, But now what we're going to do uh, today, I am joined by a man who's very comfortable behind a microphone. His name is Dan Sheldon. Dan, would you say hello? Uh, Hello. How does this mic work? Yes. And Dan is the morning show host at WCTL here in Erie. Uh, he has a lifetime of uh, radio experience, and he'll share some of that. And he has an awesome testimony. And so he was one of the first people that I asked if he'd be willing to do this. And uh, knowing he wouldn't have nerves about the microphone, it made it made it easy to ask the question. <laughs> Maybe a few nerves about sharing, but yes. It's... But uh, he's here. He's willing to do it. And uh, we already had some Chick-fil-A uh, before we turned the microphones <laughs> on. God's so, chicken. That's right. So we're in a good, good spot here. And so... Um, Anyways, this is what I'd like to do, is I just want to turn the mic over to you, Dan, and let you just kind of share some of your story, some of your background. Um, I, I There's probably things I'm even going to learn, stuff that I don't know, um, but I've been going to church here, working here, and going to church here four and a half years. How long have you been going to church here? I've been going to church here for 14 years now. For 14 years. Okay, so... Um, I. You know, even in the time we have overlapped and spent together, there's things I don't even know. So I'm excited for this and just to hear. Uh, but I, the parts of your story that I do know, this is this is why I want to do this in 2022, and this is what stuck out to me is I have a pastor friend who said, you know, you can't argue with a changed life. Amen. You can't argue with the changed life. And so, man, we could get into philosophies and theologies and all sorts of different things and rip the book apart and and get into nuances and things like that. But at the end of the day, when you hear the powerful testimony of what God has done in someone's life to turn them around from where they were to where they are, that is the stuff that lights my fire, that gets me so excited, so grateful. Amen. That is why I worship Jesus on Sundays. And so, uh, Dan, if you will, start wherever you want and just share as much as you're willing to, but I appreciate you doing this. Well, hello, my name is Dan Sheldon. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with sex and porn addiction. Uh, that's how we start everything at Celebrate Recovery. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. So I thought that would be a good starting point here. There we go. Uh, but it. I guess uh, we'll just go way back to the beginning, that uh, I was the fourth of four children, born in 1971, so I was the, the baby of the family. Um, grew up in a Presbyterian church that my parents attended up until their deaths. Uh, my mom just passed away last September, and my dad passed away in 2013, but even up to their death, they were still going to the same church. Love the folks who are in that church. They were always good to me growing up. But uh, at the time, uh, I had gone to a youth conference called the Triennium that was held uh, at Purdue University in Indiana, 
And I really was on fire at the time. Just like I, I got back and like, here's everything that we did there. And here's what we can do at this church. And it didn't seem like anything changed. And I just kind of fell away from the church, uh, which was more, now I look back at it and realize it was more of a selfish thing on my part that you're not doing anything for me mm. than, than what is God doing in this church. Sure, so I, sure. I realize that now, but uh, I started to live my life on my own. Uh, I was kind of a late bloomer when it comes, because I mentioned that porn and sex was my uh, biggest thing. I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to that. I didn't lose my virginity until I was 18 years old uh, in high school, my senior year. Um, but from that moment, it seemed to cause trouble in my life mm. the, for as long as I can remember. Even before that, I, I remember a friend saying, hey, I found my dad's stash of Playboy uh, you come over and, and look at this. So if, if I could say one thing to my past self, it's don't go over to his house right, and right. look at this stuff. But yeah. uh, as with all addictions, though, it started small with Playboy magazine. That wasn't enough. Penthouse show just a little bit more. Mm. Then it got harder and harder when that wasn't enough. Uh, and that's the same way most drugs work. Sure. That you start off small. And then it gets bigger and bigger from there. Yeah. Well, in the book of James talks about the, you know, how sin, sin is never satisfied. No. You give into it a little and it just says, well, that, that didn't hurt. Let's have a little more. Let's and then go. it gets easier and easier yeah. to do. And you get desensitized. Uh, and, and then, you know, to, to you got to just push it a little bit more. Right. Each and every time. But uh, the, the first real girlfriend that I ever had was... Uh, Back in 1990, I uh, got her pregnant, so I was 19 going on 20 at the time, and that was one of the hardest conversations I ever had with my parents, was my girlfriend is pregnant. She uh, lost the baby, as she said, and I say that with quotations, lost the baby. Didn't know until years later what that meant was she actually had an abortion. Um, I didn't have a say in anything there, and that... I think was a major part in my life that kind of uh, later in life, that's kind of defined, defined who I was that, that, that abortion. And uh, it really, it, it hurts the, the fathers too. I, I still think every once in a while, this is always a tough part of my testimony when I talk about this, because I still think about the baby that would be in their thirties now Yeah, that I didn't have. We still hang an ornament on our Christmas tree every year with her name on it. That, But uh, it, it was a tough, a tough thing. And we broke up. That relationship was a terrible relationship. And, and I admit that a lot of that was me. A lot of, I was young, immature. I wasn't ready for a child back then. And it was a blessing in disguise. But it still hurt, sure. As I'm sure you would understand. Uh, and next... you were you were both unsaved. Oh yeah. So yeah. so I mean you're because obviously. Well, I don't want to say we wouldn't have been doing it if we were both saved, but we <laughs> probably would have thought a lot more right. about it. But but you're playing. You know, when you don't know Jesus and His transformative power, you're playing from behind. That's right. Anyways, because you are you're trying to do life without a roadmap. You're trying That's to right. just do do life the best you can figure it out. And so, of course, the decisions are broken. Yep. Right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> 100. Yeah. Uh, the next girl that I dated after that ha actually had a child, and I think it was probably because of the lost child from the last relationship. And again, I just was really not ready for it. Still young, immature, dumb, 
<laughs> that didn't help anything out. Sure. Uh, around that time, a good friend of mine, we were did everything together. He got in a car accident on his 21st birthday and lost his life. So um, that really has nothing to do with the sex and porn in my life, but it is something that defined... That's pain, it's brokenness. It was a pain yeah. That, uh, yeah. that I've lived with for years. In fact, I named my son after him, Glenn. Wow. So, But that was something big that happened at that time. That relationship, of course, didn't work. And there was just relationship after relationship. And I did everything wrong in every one of those relationships. Uh, one of the girls that I was with, uh, uh, I, I actually moved in with her and we lived together before we were married. And well, we were never married, but we moved in together. And that was a huge mistake. Uh, we lived together for about three years, but all we really had together was sex. And that's just nothing to build a relationship on. If you're not doing it for the right reasons, it's never going to work right. out. Right. right. And that relationship didn't work out. She was the first uh, girl I ever cheated on because, well, we, I was going my way. She was going her way. She was hanging out with her friends. I was hanging out with my friends. And that's, you know, one drunken night, uh, went home with somebody else and, I felt really bad about it at the time, but as you, we said earlier, you do that sin once and it becomes easier yeah. as time goes on. And gosh, I'm just trying to think of all the things since then. There's so much that <laughs> has sure, gone on. Sure. Um, there was another girl that I dated that had two kids and you know I fell in love with them, but I met her through the radio station I was working at at the time. She called on the request line, and we she would call every night. And I asked her to come out to one of the bars I was DJing at. And she actually came out, and we started dating. And I didn't realize she was married, but when I found out, I didn't care. Yeah. And I broke up her marriage. Wow. And again, now I look back at it and think I would kill the guy if he ever did that with my wife. Sure. Sure. But then I didn't care because I was getting what I wanted. Right. Um, and we dated for quite a bit um, and then moved in together. So this is the second time I moved in without being married. Right. And that just did not work either. After a year, the relationship was done. And that one really hurt me because when she left, the two kids left too. Yeah. And we were together for five years. But we moved in the last year, and that's when everything just fell apart. She again started going out, and I found out she was cheating on me. So, well, if you're doing that to me, I'm going to do that to you. Right. So that was the way I dealt with the pain, was I would go out, sleep with whoever. Um, and that brings me to the next terrible thing that happened. Uh, DJing at a bar and met a girl there. And we ended up having sex together, unprotected sex. And I ended up getting chlamydia from her, mm. sexually transmitted disease. I'm just trying to be open and honest here with everything that went on in my life. Sure. And that was something that really, really scared me, is that I had a sexually transmitted disease. What if it had been uh, AIDS or something that's not as treatable as chlamydia is? Mm. So... I talked to a couple friends of mine who actually went to this church, Gary and Debbie, and they had been, we'd been friends for a good 15 years at this point, and I just asked them if I could go to church with them because it scared me that much that I knew wow. I knew I needed something else. 
I was looking for something else. So, of course, they said, yes, come to church with sure, us. Sure, sure. So I came to church and answered an altar call, and I have to be honest with you, I, after the altar call, I didn't feel any different. I hadn't really accepted Christ into my life at that time. And eventually, I was right back down the road of sex and porn. Mm. You know, I tried to throw out the porn magazines, but I would just end up buying more and more and more. Uh, this is just showing how old I am, because this was before the internet, but right, right, of course, right. by the time the internet came around, then it was over. Yeah, uh, I could look at anything I wanted to look at, and as I said earlier, it started to get worse and worse and worse, the things I was looking at. Sure. Uh, it got to the point where I was a little bit afraid of the things that I was looking at, like, oh my gosh, right. this isn't doing it for me, now I have to look at this? Right, right. And that really scared me a little bit as well, but uh, didn't stop me from doing anything. I ended up being with another married woman, tried to get her to leave her husband. Thankfully, she never did, but it was bad enough. Ended did, up, you, um, did you continue to come to church at all, or were you pretty... I didn't at that point. Yeah. Um, I ended up getting another sexually transmitted disease. This time I uh, got herpes, and that's one that just doesn't go away. So I am... Uh, on pills for the rest of my life to suppress it. But, uh, so there's another, that's one of the consequences that you pay for the sins that, that you commit. Sure. And around, I want to say it was 2006 or so, I started to just not know who I was anymore. Hmm. There's this thing called soul bonds that God created for a husband and wife that each partner that I had, a little bit of me was going with them, and a yeah. little bit of them was coming to me. Yeah. And I had been with so many women at the time that I no longer knew who I was. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, to if I can just pause sure. there, there is such a such a truth to the level of connection. <clears throat> you know, there, there's this cultural, like you even said, I was a late bloomer as far, like way at the beginning of this conversation, yes. mm-hmm. uh, as far as that. But I mean, the, the cultural war on uh, kids to, to make them think that 18 is a late right. bloomer is so <laughs> sad because it's not true. And it's not, you know, I mean, there's an amazing book called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters by Meg Meeker. Have you ever read it? I have not. And she is a psychologist, a doctor, a Christian, a mom, a daughter. So, like, her perspective is so, so good from every angle that she gives. And she just talks about biologically how unprepared the human body is in its teenage years for sexual interaction. Bi- like, not even... We, we, I, a pastor, can get into the soul-level stuff, but just biologically, right. it's not... That's not... So, anyways, all that to say... <laughs> There is this level of um, of connection that happens with every person that, that you engage with, like yes. you're saying. And so in trying to find yourself in all the wrong places through all the wrong outlets, you just said a sentence that sticks out to me. You said, I didn't even know who I was anymore. You, In trying to find yourself, you had completely, I've completely lost, lost myself. Completely lost yourself in the mess of it. So um, couldn't, couldn't find myself and knew that... There was something wrong. And like I said, I was starting to get scared of the things I needed to look at in order to get that that high, if you will. Right. Or I'm just trying to be careful with some of my speech here, but the, the stuff I needed to get off right. was right. starting to scare me a little bit. Sure. And Because that's also, biologically, you lose 
uh, like the dopamine level that you get yes. from certain things. This uh, pornography is just like drugs, right? It is, yep. and, and so the dopamine level that you get from uh, a certain exchange or interaction, you don't get that same dopamine level the next time you look at the same thing. Exactly. So you need a new thing. You start to get these desensitized right. to uh, what you're right. looking at. So when we say desensitized, it's not like this is just intellectually, but scientifically, biologically, your brain and your body does not respond the same way to the same thing, and so it needs something new. More so, new. Yes. Right. It's stuff that scares you. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, okay, so... But in in through all of this though, yes. there there was a part of you who you knew there's there's got to be something more. Oh yeah, there's absolutely. something more, and I mean that's why you called your friends. Yes, I, I credit my mom and dad for taking me to church when I was little. I credit a guy that I worked with. Uh, I worked at a place called Morelite, a factory, uh, and there was a guy there that I talked to. This was probably back in the '90s because I was searching even back then, uh, and then. There was Debbie and Gary who became just, Gary is still one of my best friends. Uh, Debbie unfortunately passed away quite a few years ago, just after I accepted Jesus. So thankfully she was there to see that. Mm. Um, She was there at my baptism. But anyways, I'll I'll get into that here in just a little bit. But I was, just knew there was something else that I needed. Um, There was a moment where Debbie and Gary invited me on a train ride uh, in Titusville. It was a Sunday. I remember that my Lions actually beat the Buccaneers that day, and that was probably the last win they ever had. Wow. Uh, this was yeah, October I, of 2007. <laughs> I left that out of the biography, but Dan is a, an insufferable Lions fan. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. October of 2007, still remember it uh, like it was yesterday, but we went on the train ride. When it was over, we stopped at uh, King's Restaurant in Meadville to get something to eat, and I poured my heart out to them. Everything I had ever done... The fact that I couldn't get pornography out of my life. I mean, if you were somebody sitting at one of the other tables overhearing this conversation, you might be a little bit embarrassed by the right. things that I was saying. But uh, this is this was a moment for me. Um, I was just telling them everything, and 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 my friend Debbie said to me, "All you have to do is confess your sins to Jesus, accept Him as your Savior." And my response was, I looked at her and said. I think I just did that talking to you. I wow. was talking to Jesus yeah. while I was talking to you. And after that, we I asked if I could go back to church again. That's when I started going back to church, and things started to turn. Things really started to turn for me in October of 2007. That's when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. When I said I didn't feel anything at the uh, altar call I was at, I felt it. Wow. Here. And it wasn't a complete turnaround right away. Right. This was, um, it took a while. I didn't just get into pornography right away. Yeah. It took a long time to get to where I was. It took a while for me to turn it around as well. Well, I mean, a parallel, Dave Ramsey says, you might wander your way into debt but you won't wander your way out of debt. That's exactly right. right. You, you might wander your way into an addiction, but you're not going to wander your way out. You know, it, It's going to take a conscious understanding, conscious effort, and a lot stacking a lot of days on top of each other, right? And to, there was a lot of things that went on. I was looking at hardcore pornography one time and heard a voice. Mind you, this is before I met my wife. A voice said to me, this is not how you're going to be a good father or a good husband someday. And I clicked off the internet that day. Yeah, and I got rid of the internet because that was that was the thing Jesus says: if your right hand causes you to sin, cut off 
the yeah. right hand. Yeah. Well, yeah. I cut off my internet. I cut off cable TV because it was too easy. I got rid of my MySpace page. That shows you how long ago that was. Yeah. Because I could I had find a MySpace porn. page. So. I could find porn on MySpace. It was really easy. Yeah. If you knew what you were looking for, uh, I probably shouldn't say that. I don't want people going well, looking. But... MySpace.com <laughs> is a dead website. Okay, so don't good. worry about it. <laughs> you're not going to find much it, if you go there. You can find it online anywhere, oh, basically. Yeah, yeah. But, it's a mess up. So there. that's why I got rid of that. Now, that wasn't the deeper meaning. That wasn't my tr- triggers. That wasn't what was causing me to look at mm. pornography, but that was the easy stuff to do right away. Get that out. Now let's work on the deeper stuff that was uh, causing me to act out. Loneliness was a big one. Even after I met my wife when we were married, she would go to her family's camp, and I would always slip on those weekends. Now I have accountability partners that before she even goes to camp, before when I know I'm going to be alone, I will get a hold of them so that they can pray for me right away. And then I, I tell my one accountability partner, just send me text messages randomly through the weekend. To, to make sure that my eyes are where they're supposed to be. So good. Uh, covenant eyes on my computer that it doesn't stop me from going to porn sites, but it will give my accountability partner and my wife a list of every website that I've gone to over the, you know, the, the entire week or whatever the uh, report period is. Right, right. So I've, I've become uh, an accountability partner to lots of guys online, and I get their reports in every week. Yeah. And every week that uh, email comes in, I always pray over it as well. Yeah. Uh, That's great. Just to pray over the guys that I'm I'm helping. But uh, I, I mentioned that this was before I met my wife. Well, I met my wife at membership classes here at the church. Oh, okay. I and didn't know I that. Also met um, Bob and Judy Ertle. They were in the same membership classes. Okay. <laughs> okay. They uh, invited me over for dinner one time. I had no idea why these old people were doing this, why they were inviting me over. But I went over to their house the whole time. I was texting Jen, whom we had started kind of dating at the time. Afraid to be in a relationship, by the way, sure, uh, because of everything I'd done wrong. But Bob and Judy uh, said, next time you're bringing her over here with you. Well, it turns out that they helped out young couples. They did membership, uh, not membership, but uh, uh, premarital classes with oh, okay. young couples. Sure. So I hadn't even asked her to marry me yet and said, let's do this because I'm 37 years old. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's make sure we're right for each other. Wow. <laughs> and so... The last class there, I asked her to marry me. That meant we had to do another premarital class here at the church. And Pastor Jason, who was here at the time, said he had never seen a couple that was more compatible than me and my wife. And we both laughed and said, you should have seen us six months ago before we, we knew all the answers this oh, time. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But uh, we did, did everything right. We didn't have sex before we were married. We uh, didn't live together until we were married. And that was all my doing. I said, there's no way I'm going to do this relationship wrong. And right. uh, Jesus has really just blessed our whole relationship. Mm. And the first time... I ever made love to my wife after we were married was the best that I ever had because I was doing it for the right reasons. And uh, as crazy as this sounds, sex can be, or it is, a form of worship. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm a I'm a worship pastor, and I got five kids in six years. If you want another <laughs> podcast, I could, but for real, um, that man, like John Eldridge, has such a great section in one of his books where he talks about that, like what the the parallels. I mean, it just, I, I don't even know where to go. I could go a hundred different places on this, just because to hear you share all this, Dan, what's so amazing is like, like I said at the beginning, you cannot argue with a changed life. That's right. you, we, you, and, and 
you were so moved and so convicted that like I can't do this how I've always done it, and because you all you found in all that was just more and more brokenness, pain, brokenness, pain, brokenness, and you were like there, and and so often in this culture that tries to scream that like. The Bible's outdated. The the ideals are just so square, so ridiculous. It's like you no, you don't understand. These are just guardrails placed around you to have the most enjoyable life. That's right. This is guardrails placed around you to to keep you safe. This is not to keep you from fun. It's to keep you from heartache and from hurt and from pain. And you, know? you can still have fun in and, those guardrails. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the the most amazing. So yeah, it is, um, man, just so good to hear you say that because it's truly a testimony a, and you're testifying to the power of, I did it that way and it was miserable and it was awful and I didn't even know who I was. And then I handed everything over to Jesus, full surrender and did it his way. And and here I am in the longest relationship in my life and it's still going great. Still yeah. so happily married. Love it. And there's still times where my mind starts going to places it shouldn't go. Thankfully, we serve a God who says, you know, if if you sin, just bring it to me. Right. Bring it to me. I will look uh, I'll forgive you again. Right. Now that's not that's not to say that I go out and sin on purpose and say, okay, God, now forgive me. Right. But when that sin and the temptation does overtake me, I know I can turn to God, and I know right. He will forgive me for it. Right. It's the freedom of knowing there is uh, forgiveness waiting. Right. But it's not the freedom of, well, there's forgiveness waiting. I, I don't want do to keep I want. doing right, that to them. Right. But, <laughs> but right. when I do, I know I can turn. Right. There is um, a bridge to the song Defender oh, yeah. by Rita Springer that is... Um, ringing in my head because it says, when I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. You picked up all my pieces. You put me back together. You are the defender of my heart. I can't believe I did that without crying. It was beautiful. (laughs) Um, And But honestly, that's what I'm thinking of as you're sharing this, Dan, is just that like you thought you were, you thought you had just lost identity, who you were, everything, but he never lost track of you in all of that, right? And he reintroduced you to to you, and then to him, and then he just set you on this totally new trajectory and new course for your life. Yeah, I hear some people say, Jesus found me. No, I found Jesus. Yeah. I was... He knew where I was. Right. I wasn't lost. (laughs) I I was lost. You were lost. But I wasn't lost lost. to him. He knew where I was. So good. So good. Now, interesting, I want to point this out just because... um, so often people think like, man, my life is this mess, that mess. I need to just get out of town. But you're born and raised here in Erie. Born and raised. You spent in your Erie. whole life here in spent Erie. Spent my whole life here. Yes. You spent your whole life doing radio. Oh my, well, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Since '96. Right. right. And so, okay, so you, um, you're still Dan. I'm still Dan. Yes. You're just new and improved I'm just Dan. Saved. Dan 2.0, right? So <laughs> 2.0, I love it. But you um you didn't like leave the area to go rebuild your life anew no. somewhere. You you actually just let Jesus rebuild you right where you were. Somebody asked me one time about how I feel I was interviewed on a Christian radio website. Uh how I feel about if anybody ever found this out. Well, I felt worse about it when I was in secular radio because it was hidden then, and I was still in the middle of doing all this stuff. And if it ever came out, I would have lost my job, would have, you know, the things that I was doing would have lost my job. But here, working in Christian radio, 
on our website. I even have a small testimony on the website of the things that I did. And if anybody ever says, well, how can he be on Christian radio? Do you know what he used to do? I can say it's on our website. Right. You can see what I used to do. Right. But by the grace of God, I am here now spreading the good news. Right. I love it. I love it. That's so good. And it's so... Um, why do we think nothing... You know, I'll tell you why, because we know how the story ends. But why do we think nothing of Paul writing over half the New Testament. Do you know what he used to do? <laughs> he used to kill Christians. Right. So but but because we know how how that story ends and that like we have no problem issuing grace to him. Well, I believe in you, Dan, and I'm excited and I'm grateful that you were willing to share this. And that's why it's I love that that you're you can say, This is who I used to be, but now because right. of Jesus, this is who I am, and you can walk forward in that. And I think can... it's helpful to remember the past, but don't live there. Yeah. It's helpful so if good. this helps any, just one person that's listening right now. Yeah. It was worth me coming on. But again, it's when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, it is a freeing experience. Yeah. There was a weight. Jesus says, come to me, you all who are weary and heavy laden, and you know, if you take his yoke, his yoke is light. Yeah. We, there's a freedom yeah. to that. There was a weight that was lifted off my shoulders right. when I accepted Jesus Christ. That's so good. Wow, that's so good. Any, um, any You're last... getting me fired up here, I know, Quint. I'm getting you excited. This is good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, any last thoughts? I'll, I'll say I, one thing I think um, would be good to share is you mentioned Celebrate Recovery, so could yes. you just explain what that is, how it can help people, and where they... if, if I have people who listen to this that aren't all just right here in Erie. Celebrate Recovery is everywhere, though. Yeah, that so, was started in California, but it's uh, everywhere. I'm sure it's in yeah. even in every, other parts of the world now. So if you're not but, local to Erie, you can look up Celebrate Recovery in your area and right. find one. But we have one here at Erie First that meets on Thursday night. So why don't you just explain maybe what that is and what it's geared to do? In fact, this was one of, other than accepting Jesus as my Savior, finding an accountability group was the best step I ever took in my recovery from this addiction. But Celebrate Recovery is um, a place that's a 12-step program, kind of like AA, only in uh, AA they say your higher power, and that higher power can be anything. That higher power can be your bicycle. That higher power can be anything. Mm. At Celebrate Recovery, we name the higher power. That higher power is Jesus Christ. And we go through the 12-step up there and uh, every Thursday, there's a time of worship. We have some guys come up with their guitars, and we sing worship songs, and then uh, we do either a testimony or a teaching. Usually, the teachings revolve around the 12 steps, and afterwards, uh, all the guys get together and just talk about how their week went. Again, it's a, another form of accountability group, and uh, again, I struggled so much on my own, but once I started going to accountability groups and then to celebrate recovery later... Uh, it's just something that I need. Here it is. I accepted Jesus in 2007. As we record this, it's 2022, and I still need that time to get together with other other guys who have gone through this struggle. Yeah, well, and the, the point of the church is, I always say, it's a community to participate in, not a product to consume, right? That's right. So the point of the church is that you would find your level of community, your your people that can hold you accountable. And it's not... The, the point of the church never is that um, that people look down on your choices, your decisions, your habits, your problems, that people judge any of those things. But the point is um, that if if you see I'm struggling, you can say, hey, I, how can I how can I be of help to you? How can you, me, and Jesus get through this together, right? If I That's see right. that you're struggling, 
I say, hey, let's have some Chick-fil-A and work through this and talk <laughs> through this, right? I yeah. mean, and that's... That's God's chicken. That's right. So that's the beauty of... Uh, and, and the point of the church and of a small group or an accountability group like what you're saying. Like so. Celebrate Recovery. And that's one other thing that I didn't mention during this was that uh, I was drinking a lot back in the day. And when I drank, that made everything 10, 15, 100 times worse than it was before. In fact, I was still drinking when I was coming to church here. I came with hangovers at different times. You know, I'd be in church with a hangover. Come to church if you have a hangover. Yeah, sure. I, I'm just throwing that out there. But... Uh, Shortly after God, one time I was in a bar and got drunk, and God said, you can't do this anymore. Thankfully, it was not a struggle for me. I quit, and that was it. It's been 13-plus uh, years now since I've last had a drop of alcohol, so I'd celebrate recovery. Not only do I celebrate my recovery from porn addiction, but I celebrate my recovery from alcohol. We have people up there who are, who are quitting drugs. We have people up there who are it's for any hurt, hang-up, or habit Yeah, that that's you what have. I was going to say, is it's not <laughs> just one, like you mentioned, AA, which is Alcoholics Alcohol. Anonymous, but this is Celebrate Recovery is hurt. whatever your thing might be, your hurt, your your habits, your hang-ups, they want to be there to help you work through it, find it, freedom, and celebrate that recovery. It's a no-judgment zone. Just yep. come on up there. Yep, so that's good. Any other... Um, I don't know, other thoughts or things? You know, one of the things you said um, a little while ago was that the the sex and the porn and all that was really the symptom. And But once you decided, I'm going to cut this out of my life, you could go after the disease. Yeah. You could go after what the real problem was. The problem was loneliness. The loneliness problem was for me. brokenness, yeah. That's what we call triggers mm-hmm. at uh, Celebrate Recovery. And when, once you know your triggers, you're in better position to fight that battle. Yeah. Uh, you, like I said, I before I get into the position where I'm going to be alone... I already have guys fighting for me, right. alongside me. Right. So that's finding your triggers is absolutely key because getting rid of the internet's a good first step. But there's going to come a time where I'm going to need that internet back. Sure. Now I'm strong enough where I can have that internet back. Right. Without looking the way I used to. Right. Well, and and so really though that ties into what we were saying about that soul bond that you create with other people, because mm-hmm. it's it's more than just the the symptom isn't isn't the only thing. There's actually a greater disease there, yes. right? But then the act doesn't just present as the symptom; it actually creates more problem more. for the disease, right? <laughs> so if loneliness is your problem and you're trying to medicate your loneliness through that action, and then that relationship goes up in flames, you actually create more loneliness, more hurt surrounded by relationships. It just gets worse and worse and And that's the thing, and that's, I guess, what I just wanted to kind of like point out as we draw this to a close is like you have to understand on a soul level, on a heart level, on all these things, what is really happening when you exchange part of who you are in that way. When you, whether it's with alcohol, whether it's with porn, whether it's with narcotics, whatever the issue it's is, all of them combined, all of them put together, <laughs> you're medicating just such deeper levels. And here's the message, and it's from that the bridge of Defender. But God cares about your heart. God wants to heal your broken heart. That's the business He is in. Isaiah 61. He came up to heal the brokenhearted. And so, when you can, when you will, he's the only one who can, and he's the only one who can. And when you will open up and let him in to do that, 
your whole life can change. And my friend Dan is living proof of that. So I Amen. just really appreciate you sharing all this, Dan. Uh, um, any parting thoughts from you? I know I kind of took that last Oh, no, that's minute. fine. <laughs> I just had to preach it up a little bit. But any anything you want to say to wrap it up as we close? I just remember Pastor Don telling me years ago that uh, anybody who tells you sin is not fun, they're lying to you. Sin is fun, but it's only fun for a season. Yep. And that's about uh, all I have to say to wrap it up. It's so true. That's what the enemy will present it as, is, is purely as fun. And it might be, a portion of it might feel like fun, but man, there are so, it's so much deeper than just the fun you will have on a Friday night. There are consequences, there are ramifications, there are people's hearts and souls, including your own. And Jesus is supremely interested in healing your heart and your soul. Okay, that is one heck of a podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll stay tuned. We're going to do this um, once a month throughout the year, and I'm excited to just share some of the amazing people that I have the privilege of going through life with and their awesome testimonies. Like I said, you cannot argue with the changed life, and I'm grateful for Dan Sheldon's changed life and his willingness to share it today. And we're grateful for you. All right, I appreciate that, Dan. We'll catch you next time on the Quintessential Ministry Podcast.